In heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your truth of this week. That Jesus came and gave his life for a ransom for many. Father, now as we look into your word this morning, give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you have to say to us as we consider this holy week. We pray these things in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Palm Sunday is the beginning of the week that we call Holy Week. Did you know that it is also known as the Passion Week? The word passion in this sense is Latin, meaning to suffer or to endure. So in light of that meaning, we can, all, all, also, we can also call this week the Suffering Week. It is a week in which Jesus Christ suffered for us. Meaning that, if that, if, meaning that if we believe, we have eternal life in heaven with him. This week of suffering starts with Palm Sunday and ends with the crucifixion and burial of Jesus. Palm Sunday was the day Jesus marched into Jerusalem. He came to town riding on a donkey. People had put palm branches in front of Jesus. They expected an earthly military king. They expected Jesus to come and win battles and bring victory to Israel. But instead, he was a heavenly spiritual king. And the victory that he would bring would be over sin and death. On Monday, Jesus and his followers came to the temple area and found something disturbing. People were being cheated out of their money. Pastor Adam preached about this a couple of weeks ago. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will not be a house, a, a den of robbers, but my house will be called a house of prayer. On Tuesday, the authorities of the temple, the elders of the, of the temple, came and questioned Jesus' authority. Jesus never told them by what authority he was teaching, but he continued to teach at the temple in parables. There was the, the parable of the tenants and the temple of the wedding banquet. There were parables that were about his death and his second coming. He also taught about life practices. He taught about loving each other and paying taxes. Later that day, Jesus was anointed by a woman with a jar of expensive perfume. Jesus said that she did this to prepare for his burial. Wednesday was the day 
before the start of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, also called the Passover. The chief priests and teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of his people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. After some bargaining, he offered to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. On Thursday, the first day of Passover, Jesus took the twelve up to the upper room of a man in the city to celebrate the Passover. Jesus revealed Judas as the one who was going to betray him. This was also the place where Jesus gave to the disciples the Last Supper. He did this when he said, or when he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. After the supper, Jesus took the disciples to the garden of Gethsemane. He then took Peter, James, and John with him a little bit farther to pray. He asked them to stay back and watch while he went away alone to pray. Jesus' agony began in Gethsemane with the sweating of blood. Hematidrosis is the name given to the rare occurrence of tiny blood capillaries in the sweat glands that rupture, causing an oozing of blood to occur through the skin. In Luke chapter 22, the Bible tells us, and being, and being in anguish, he was praying more earnest, earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. When he had finished praying, Jesus left his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. And immediately, when he was speaking, Jesus, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. 
And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. It was now late on Thursday night, and the following following event took us into the early hours of Friday. Good Friday. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. It was here Jesus was struck by a soldier when Jesus was questioned by the high priest. John tells us, and when he had said this, one of the high officers standing by gave Jesus a blow, saying, is, it, is that the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if I have spoken wrongly, Bear witness of the wrong, but if rightly, why do you strike me? Jesus was then blindfolded and struck in the face repeatedly. Being blindfolded meant he couldn't roll with the punches, and the blows would have been that much more destructive. The Bible says he was so beaten so badly, he could hardly be recognized. And some began to spit at him and to blindfold him and to beat him with their fists and to say to him, prophesy. And the officers received him with slaps in his face. After the chief priests decided that Jesus would die, they took him to Pontius Pilate so that he could find Jesus to be guilty of undermining the Jewish nation and failing to pay taxes to Caesar. But Pontius Pilate found Jesus not guilty. This happened when it was time for the tradition of releasing one of the Jewish prisoners to the Jews. Pilate asked the Jews if they wanted Barabbas, a notorious murderer released, or would they release the not guilty Jesus? The crowd wanted Barabbas to be set free and for Jesus to be crucified. Jesus was then stripped of his clothing and then whipped with a whip that consisted of leather straps embedded with metal and glass fragments. This whip was brought down with full force and when struck against the the back of Jesus and then pulled back up, 
It tore Jesus' skin off. Exposing muscle and maybe even exposing his very bones. This type of torture stopped when it was determined that the victim was near death or 39 lashes was reached according to the Jewish law, which was the number of mercy. By this time, Jesus was in great pain, suffering severe blood loss, and was becoming very weak and thirsty. We read the prophecy of Jesus' suffering in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14. So his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. And only after this was he taken to be crucified. Then they put a scarlet robe on him and placed a crown of thorns on his head. The robe would stick to the dried blood on his back. And when they ripped the, clo- the robe off him later, it would have been very painful and would have see- caused the bleeding to continue even more. They put a crown of thorns on his head. These thorns were shoved between his scalp and the skull. Severe bleeding would ensue along with great pain. We read in Mark chapter 15, And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with the reed and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to be crucified. Then Jesus was mocked and beaten another time after the scourging. He would have been very weak by this time and probably could not bear the weight of the cross. And so another person was forced to carry the cross, which was about 50 to 75 pounds for him to carry. And as they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simon, whom they pressed into service to bear Jesus' cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, he was nailed to the cross. Normally a person was laid down upon the cross beam and a nail driven into one wrist. Then the other hand was pulled very tightly and another nail was driven into the other wrist. The nails were usually about six to eight inches long. Placing the nail in the wrist severs the nerve, resulting in a burning pain as well as paralysis in the hand. 
Once the cross was lifted up, Jesus' feet were nailed to it. But in order to do this, his knees were bent and the feet brought up a little bit to allow them to lie flat against the cross so that they can be nailed to it. Once suspended, the force of gravity brings the weight of the body down and the shoulders and elbows dislocate by popping out of joint, ripping ligaments. The way that Jesus was put on the cross made it hard for him to breathe. As the arms are stretched out, the lungs are held in an expanded state, just as it would be as you, if you were breathing in without exhaling. Soon the body gets to the point of no return, and the heart either ruptures or the person dies from a loss of oxygen. But even in the midst of his agony, Jesus thinks of those who put him on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Just before he dies, and because of the loss of the blood, Jesus becomes thirsty. Jesus said, I thirst. Whereupon a soldier offered him some sour wine, but he refused it, because he would not seek to escape any of the ordeal. He then says, It is finished. What is finished? His life, his work, his mission. His sacrifice. He came to die to take away the sin of the world. It could only be done by Him and Him alone. This is where and when it happened. And after Jesus breathed His last, a centurion who was facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last. He said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Jesus came and he died such a horrible death. He died this horrible death for you. He suffered all of this for you. He theoretically could have stopped this suffering at any time. Couldn't he? He was God. But he didn't. He suffered and he died for you. He did this because he loves you. He did this so that you would not have to suffer a spiritual death and live eternal eternity separated from him. Because of our sins, our transgressions, our wrongdoings were paid for the 
by the suffering and the death of Jesus, we have an opportunity to live in heaven. Jesus calls on you, and he calls on me to believe in him and what he has done for us. Do you believe in Jesus and what he has done for you? Believe in what happened during Passion Week as Jesus suffered and died for you. This week may be the week of suffering, but next Sunday is coming. Praise be to God who is willing to send his son to suffer and die so that one day we would be able to live forever with him. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for sending Jesus to suffer as we have just read. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross. For it is through his suffering that we have life. And Father, we pray that as you have spoken to us this morning, if someone has come to believe in what Jesus did for us, Father, we pray that you would help them come to someone who has already believed and tell them of what they now believe. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus and doing something that only he could do. That he came and died on a cross so that we may have life and have life forever with you. Father, we thank you for that promise today. We thank you for all that you have done in us and for us and through us for the sake of your kingdom. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.